Come on up here, Jeannie. Here, I'm going to let Jeannie say a couple words. Good to see everybody. This is Jeannie, my wife. We've been married for seven years, seven happy years. <laughs> whatever, seven times. Well, whatever something. it is. Anyway, it's good to see everybody. It's good to be back home in Louisiana. That's where I'm from, as you well know. And um, we just love um, Pastor Stephen and Megan. Every time we come, they're having babies. So. I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, was this nine or ten? I don't know what number this is, but... I don't know. I guess it happened when you got in Colorado. You started having babies, and about every year or so, you still have them. So God bless you. Anyway, go ahead and say something if you'd like to. Well, we are excited to be here again. It's wonderful to see familiar faces. It makes us feel like we're coming home. And so uh, you are just in a wonderful, wonderful place. You really, really are. Uh, Like my husband said, we love this couple. Megan is like a spiritual daughter for me. And I just adore her. Ladies, you're in a great, great place. Because not only does she love God, but she wants God to push her and press her into everything that he has for her. And in doing that, then it's going to spill over into you. And so when she does a ladies event, you need to be there. Because God has put something on her heart, and it's going to be great, and it's going to empower you to be the person that God wants you to be. And so I just want to encourage you, Megan, I'm so, so proud of you, and God is going to do amazing things in your life, and amazing things in this church's life because of this couple. You're blessed. Amen. Hey, uh... What about the worship team? They they did great. Come on, let's give them a good hand. I was really blessed. I was. I was blessed. Outstanding. And, uh, you know, I'm going to brag on your pastor because I love him so much, like Jeannie loves Megan. And and really, uh, how can you say anything negative about somebody who has character and integrity? And that's that's a big deal to me. And uh, that's why we stand with this couple and why we stand with Pastor Stephen, because he served so well at our church. And I think I told you the story when maybe you at the first service, uh, when we interviewed them to uh, join our team at uh, Victory there in Denver area, we invited them over for dinner. I want to tell the story again if you haven't heard it. And uh, so we're trying to get to know them a little bit better. And I noticed that Megan gets up and she starts helping clear the table and help Jeannie in the kitchen. And I leaned over to my son. I said, we're hiring him. I said, not because of him, but because of Megan. But we found out it was a great hire because Stephen is a class act himself. And I mean, really, what a great blessing it is for you all to have such a great couple. And I'm glad you're here. And if you're new, this is a good church. And uh, I think you ought to just take, you ought to take offense to every empty chair that's here. And the reason why is because you ought to just say, the devil is winning. Every empty chair is like the devil saying, I just won. And I want to challenge you as you move into 2019 to really pray. I know you've been fasting and praying early part of this year, is to pray that every one of these seats are filled with somebody. Maybe your friend, a family member, maybe someone you work with. It's time to start reaching out. We're living in a really tough world, and I think we need to reach out to other people. Can I hear an amen from you? Amen. Won't you open your Bibles to the book of Psalm 78? We're going to jump in there. Before I do so, I was thinking as I was standing there, uh, a few years ago, I was speaking at a conference. It was, it was pastored, about 130 pastors in Missouri, 
And uh, I had been invited to come and speak there with a friend of mine who from Reserve Church, Mike Boudreau. You remember Mike Boudreau? Mike Boudreau was pastoring there out of the uh, Kansas City area. And I was with uh, this pastor's group. And uh, I like telling Boudreau. I'm from Louisiana. I like Boudreau. Are there any Boudreaux here? If so, this is not a reflection on your family. But anyway, I've got all these pastors, and so I'm kind of just trying to loosen everybody up for a few moments, and I was telling a few Boudreaux jokes, and I hardly got a chuckle out of anybody. I'm telling you, these were funny jokes, too. And I'm thinking, what's, what's wrong with these people? And afterwards, Mike Boudreaux came to me telling me that some of the pastors thought I was making fun of him. And he said, no, he said, that's my heritage. He said, I'm proud of my heritage. I'm try, proud, proud of Boudreaux. And so I tell you that to tell you about Boudreaux. Is that all right? Uh, Boudreaux has tried farming. He's trying to do some farming. And know, know what he did? He crossed a, a shovel, a chili pepper, and a rat terrier, and he got a hot diggity dog. <laughs> no, that didn't work out. So he crossed an owl and a goat and got a hootenanny. He, he, that didn't work out either. So he moved to Colorado trying cattle ranching. And the problem was the cattle got loose into the marijuana farm and he lost all his money because the stakes were so high. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? Those are bad. <laughs> so anyway, Boudreaux was down on his luck, moved back down to the South Louisiana and uh, he didn't have any money, but he got caught stealing. He stole a can of pears and he got before the judge and the judge said to Boudreaux, he said, now Boudreaux, he said, uh, do you know how many pears are in this can? He said, yeah, there's five of them. He said, well, I'm going to give you one month of jail for every pair that's in that can. I mean, Boudreaux hung his head. He was about to hit the gavel and pronounce the sentence when Clotilde's wife stood up and said, oh, by the way, Boudreaux also stole a can of peas. <laughs> it only gets worse. All right, that's enough. I tell these every, at church in Denver, we tell Boudreaux jokes. And uh, every time I speak now, they, people in the church want to know, am I going to tell Boudreaux jokes? Because that's just part of our heritage in Colorado. All right, let's jump into this. Psalm 78. Uh, I want to challenge you uh, this morning as we move into 2019. It's a brand new year. I want to challenge you to take the limits off of God. I think sometimes we put God in a box. I, I, have you ever read the scripture where it says that, the, uh, that God holds the universe in the span of his hand? Have you ever read that? I want you to know that God is a big God. He does hold the universe in the span of his hand, but we have, we have made God and treat God like he is so small. But God is big. He can do mighty things. He can do big things. He can do unlimited things. But our problem is, is that we put limits on God. And I want to show you this in Psalm 78. We're going to jump into verse 41. Let me just kind of back up for a second and give you the history. Israel had been slaves for over 400 years in Egypt. And, uh, and God has done all these miraculous things to free his people so they could begin to see the fulfillment of the dream they've had in their heart. You know, the land of promise, the land of milk and honey. You know, that was the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now hundreds of years later, God has freed the people, his people up to go live the dream. Now, how many of you want to go live your dream? I do. I want to live my dream. I want you to know that God has freed you up to do that. But here's the problem. They're beginning their journey. They're on their, their journey to fulfill and see the destiny that God has called them to. And I want you to see this verse, verse 41. It says, yes, again and again, they turned back, they tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you see this? 
They're on their way. Look, all they need to do is just take one little step, one right after another, and they would have arrived in that place of their destiny. But instead, it says that they, they, they turned back, they tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you can limit God. Listen, they looked out across that desert, and it looked too hard, and it looked too difficult. They thought it would take too long. They didn't know what was before them. And by the way, I think that's a picture of maybe some of you sitting here this morning. Is that you look out at your destiny and you think it's too hard. It's going to take too long. It's going to cost too much money. I tell you, this is a picture of you. And as we move into 2019, we need to remove the limits on God. We need to take the limits off of God. Look, this is an unstoppable church. You are an unstoppable people. But when you limit God, everything stops. I mean, I think about Jesus. It said that he could do no mighty miracles in his own hometown in Matthew 13. He could do no mighty miracles in his own hometown because of their unbelief. You know, when you limit your faith, you limit God. And I believe the Lord is challenging you. In fact, I want to challenge you this morning to take all the limits off of God. Look, God is an unstoppable God. There are no limits to God for what he can do and what he can't do. I mean, he can do so many mighty, mighty things, and he wants to touch you, but there's a problem. And here's the number one problem. You and I have what I call invisible barriers in our life. And these invisible barriers or obstacles, whatever you want to call them, they get in our way, and they stop us from seeing the things of God in our life. It puts a limit on God. I'll give you an example. There was a guy who put fleas in a jar. And uh, the, he put the lid on top, and the fleas kept trying to jump out of that jar. And he noticed after about three or four days, the fleas quit jumping. So he took the lid off, and the fleas never tried to jump out. You know the reason why? It's because they had been conditioned that they couldn't get out. In other words, they, they saw a limit. They'd been conditioned, and so there was no need to jump anymore. We can't get out. My dog, we, we lived in a neighborhood there in Denver, my dog got out of the yard. Now, that may not be a big deal in Louisiana, but it's a big deal in Colorado because I got a ticket. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at me like, what? I got a ticket for my dog getting out of the yard. And I had to go to court. I mean, I, it, was, it was terrible. I went to the court, and so I, I show up there, and the, the lady who was a judge, she said, how do you plead? I said, I plead not guilty. I didn't get out of the yard. <laughs> And I don't think you're supposed to do that with judges. She kind of got a little grin on her face. I said, I would like to ask the judge for community service for my dog because he's just a teenager, and that's what you give to teenagers when they make mistakes. She said, you need to go talk to the DA, the district attorney. So I had to go talk to the district attorney to fight the ticket. I still had to pay $130. Well, I decided I better get a fence. I couldn't afford a fence. We only had fence like around like one, one backside on one side. And so I got one of those invisible fences. You know what those are? Uh, it's where you bury that wire, you know, under the ground, and then you put that shock collar on the dog and just see what happens. And, you know, after a while, the dog figures it out. You know, six feet away from the invisible fence is a shocking experience. Seven feet is a lot better. And so one day I was out in the yard, 
And uh, he, my dog was way on the other side, and I go to call him, and I get on the other side of the invisible fence, you know. And he comes running, and I'm, I'm calling him, come on, come on, come on. He's running. I mean, he's so happy to see me. All of a sudden, he realized that he was getting near the invisible fence. His eyes got that big. He slid to a halt about seven feet away, and I kept trying to get him to come closer. He wouldn't come closer, sat up on his hind legs, and just did this, you know. Why? Because he'd been conditioned that if he took one more step, he'd have been shot. See, I'm talking about limits. It's like the, the scientist that was studying fish. You know, fish like to eat minnows, and he put a fish in a minnow in an aquarium, put a glass piece between the middle, and uh, that fish kept trying to get to that minnow, kept hitting that glass, that invisible barrier that was there. He noticed after about five or six days, the fish quit trying to get to the minnow. He took the glass out, and the minnow would swim right under the nose of that big fish, and the big fish never tried to eat him. You know the reason why. He'd been conditioned. He'd been conditioned that he couldn't have him. What a picture of God's people. What a picture of God's people. I mean, some of you here, you've, you've, you've quit jumping. You've, you, you're just walking around the edge of the fence. You've got opportunities that swim right under your nose. I'm talking about divine moments, divine opportunities. You've got divine things that are swimming right under your nose. You don't even try to get them. You know the reason why? You've been conditioned. Because you've been told that you can't, you can't have it. You can't succeed. Look, the government tells you you can't do certain things. Schools tell you that you can't do certain things. Places where you work say you can't do this or that. You've got friends, teachers, others who've said you can't accomplish this. You can't do that. You can't do great things. You know, I'm sure in this city they say that, that no church can grow. You can't reach your family. Nobody's going to get saved. I hear this all the time all over the world. And we get conditioned that we can't do certain things. I'm here to tell you that we have a God who holds the universe in the span of his hand. He wants to bless you and he wants to touch you. He wants to empower you. If you and I will just start taking some steps. We've got to break through these invisible barriers that are keeping us from what God wants to do in our lives. And the purpose of this message is to get you launched again in 2019 to see the things that God wants to accomplish. He wants to take you to his promised land. He wants to take you to the place of your destiny. And he wants you to take the limits off of him and take the limits off of yourself. And I've got some things I want to share with you, I hope, today that will maybe help you do those things because I, I hear people say to me all the time, well, pastor, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I'm not smart enough or, you know, I, I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough money and I'm not holding my breath. I hear these kind of words from Christians all over the place. And you know what they're telling me? They're telling me that I'm going to put a limit on God and I'm going to put a limit on me. God wants you to break through those invisible barriers because you can do what the devil says you can't do. Now, that would have been a good place for an amen. You can have what the devil says you can't have. And you can be what the devil says you can't be. You know, the devil tells me I can't do certain things. Did he ever tell you that? He, he says, no, you can't do that. Don't, don't even try. Am I the only one that's like that here? Does he ever tell you not to try things or do things? Some of y'all look so holy out there. Are you here? My Lord. He tells me all the time, you, you can't do this or you can't do that. What he's doing, he's trying to put an invisible barrier in front of me. Did I tell the story about the woman that had a drunk husband? Have I told that here? I don't think I told that. There was a lady, her, her husband got drunk all the time. I mean, she did everything she could to try to get him to stop drinking, but he just wouldn't stop drinking. 
And she knew where he went to drink. He wouldn't drive, but he would walk home through a cemetery. And she thought, she had this idea that if I could have somebody dig a grave right in the middle of that path, maybe he would fall into that and maybe it would scare the devil out of him. I mean, that was her thinking. So she had somebody dig a 10-foot deep grave right in the middle of that path. But here was the problem. During that night, a man who was not drunk was walking down that path and fell into that hole. And I mean, he's, he jumped and scratched and hollered and screamed and nobody was coming and he just couldn't get out. So he thought, I'll just sit in the corner till the morning and somebody will get me, you know, come and rescue me. About an hour later, guess who comes staggering down the, that trail? It was the drunk man. He fell right into that grave. And the first thing, when he hit the bottom, he thought, I've fallen in a grave. He was thinking ghosts and ghouls and goblins and spooks and all these things. I mean, he was scared. He began to cry. He began to jump and scream and try to jump and get out of there, and he couldn't get. And the man in the corner was just sitting there watching in the dark, watching this man trying to get out. And after about 10 or 15 minutes of this man screaming and trying to get out of this grave where the ghosts and the ghouls and everything were, the man in the corner said with a very spooky voice, he said, you can't get out of here. But he did. <laughs> You know what the devil tells you? You can't do anything. You can't be anything. But I'm here to tell you that you can. You can. Because we serve a God that holds the universe in the span of his hand. We serve a big God. We can. Come on, everybody say, we can. I want to give you three things, if you're ready, three things that I think might help you break these invisible barriers. Number one. Don't limit God. We're talking about breaking the limits off of God. Break the limits off of God. It says, number one, don't limit God by your mind or by your thinking. Don't limit God by your thinking. You know, God made Israel so mad. If we rewind a little bit to verse 19 of Psalm 78, I want you to see this because uh, God had, Israel, they made God, I mean, madder than fire because I mean, God did, look, they just did these 10 miracles. I mean, the water turned to blood. There was the frogs that were there. And I mean, the firstborn of all those that didn't have blood on the doorposts, they, they were killed in Egypt. I mean, a death angel came through Egypt. I mean, God was trying to get the Pharaoh to let his people go. They've seen all these miracles, and, and, they, and they get a couple of days out in the wilderness, and here's what they said. They said, can God furnish us a table in the wilderness? Hold up just a minute. They just saw 10 unbelievable miracles they've left with gold and silver. I mean, the Egyptians were, were jerking earrings and gold off their neck and everything. Just say, go, get away, leave. They, they, they were a moment as slaves, and the next they were wealthy. And God was taking them, them to the promise, their destiny. And they get a couple of days out of the desert, and they said, can God furnish us a table in the world? Can I just tell you, what is wrong with our thinking? What is wrong with their thinking? Don't limit God by your thinking. I mean, we have, we come to Lafayette or we're here in Lafayette and they say, we say, can God build a big church here? Well, I can tell you right now, God can build a big church here. And you're the ones that need to help build it. It's not just this man's responsibility. It's yours. You're part of this church. This is your family. This is your church. You are the church. We say, well, I don't know if my loved ones can ever be saved. We, we start thinking uh, these things that are so impossible. I mean, can God do anything great in our lives? Can God do anything great in this community? Can God do anything great where I work? 
And we put a limit on God by our thinking. Israel looked around and, and, and I mean, they're out, in the, they're out in the wilderness. They look around and they're thinking, where are we going to buy groceries? There's no grocery stores here. Where's the banks? There's no Costco's or Walmart's. Where we, there's no Payless shoes. I mean, our shoes are going to wear out. Where are we going to buy clothes? They could only see in the natural. God sees in the supernatural. God never saw their shoes wearing out. He never saw their clothes wearing out or getting holes in. He saw quail coming in on the east wind. He saw water coming from a rock. But see, they limited God by their thinking, by the way they were thinking. That's a picture of you. Some of you have limited God by your thinking. I don't know if God can do this. They limited God by their minds. It was an invisible barrier. They limited God. You know, just because you don't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You do know that, don't you? I mean, everything that is and was is in God. Everything you need is already in God. I mean, I don't, I, I don't see electricity. I see what it does, but I don't see electricity. Does that mean it doesn't exist? Well, go get you a paper clip, unfold it, stick it in that light socket, and you tell me if you think it exists. You're going to find out real quick. It's there. I'm telling you, God is there, and he exists. He wants to do great things, but we put a limit on him by our minds, by the way we think. Israel limited God with their minds, and it's in the natural. They said, there's no way we can do this. There's no way that we can make it. It's not going to happen. I think about Daniel when they... When the king threw Daniel into the lion's den, he loved Daniel. And he came back the next day and he said, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you? And he heard a voice coming up out of that place where they had thrown him. He said, my God was able to deliver me. How do you think Daniel was delivered? Because I believe God, I believe Daniel did not put a limit on God in his thinking. He kept thinking the whole time, they can throw me in there, but the angels are going to save me. The angels are going to surround me. God is going to protect me. I'm going to come out of this place. He did not limit God with his mind or by his thinking. I mean, think about when the, uh, when the disciples were out in the wilderness with Jesus and the thousands of people, they'd been out there for three days. And the disciples said, we need to send them back to town. There's no places to get food here. I'm sure they're starving. We need to do something. Jesus said, well, why don't you feed them? They said, we don't have any money. We don't have any food. And a little boy with a sack lunch walks up. He had uh, two little minnows and five little crackers. That's really what, if you study the Greek or the Hebrew, that's really what he had, a little bitty sack lunch with a couple of minnows in there, a few little crackers. He said, I don't know if this will help, but I think it will. And if you remember the story, Jesus set everybody down. He blessed that little sack lunch and fed thousands of people. You know the reason why? Because one little boy took the limits off of God with his thinking. What about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know that story. It's a great story. Nebuchadnezzar builds this great statue. He signs a decree that everybody at the sound of the trumpet has to bow down and worship this image for these 30 days. They gather millions of people. He was, the, he was the grand potentate, if you will, of all that part of the world. Millions of people showed up. The trumpet sound, everybody bows down. And Nebuchadnezzar's looking around, and way off at a distance, he sees three men standing up. He said to his aide, he said, who's that over there? And Guy looks, he says, I, I don't know, I think it may be those three Hebrew boys. He said, you can tell them to come over here. King gets 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, I don't know if you got the memo or not, but at the sound of the trumpet, you're supposed to bow down and worship this image. And these three young men said, Kingy Wingy, this is my version, is that all right? Kingy Wingy, you can blow that trumpet till you're blue in the face, but we're not bowing down to this image. If God is able to deliver, so be it. If not, then so be it. You see, they did not limit God with their minds. It made the king so mad, they blew the trumpet again. Everybody bowed down. They just stood there. He fired up that furnace seven times hotter, threw him into that fire. A few moments later, the king looks in there and he said, didn't we just throw three men into that fire? He said, I see a fourth like unto the Son of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of that fire. They didn't bend, they didn't bow, and they didn't burn. All because they took the limits off of God with their mind, with their thinking. Are you getting this? Some of you say, I don't know if God is able. I don't know if he can. I don't know if it's, if it's possible. We have all these little things in our mind that we put limits on God. Can I tell you what your problem is? You've got a problem. Can I tell you what your problem is? Your problem is you think like men instead of thinking like God. The Bible says that we need to have the mind of Christ. Isn't that right? With men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. I know the devil would play all kinds of tricks on your mind. He does with me. Uh, you weren't there when we were in the other building. You knew where our other building was on top of that hill. <clears throat> we had about 100 people in our church. 1990, we had about 100 people. And we were only a few years old. And uh, we just kept thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. So we were taking steps of faith. And, and it was an Assembly of God building. They'd gone bankrupt. I mean, this thing was sitting on a hill, beautiful, huge steeple. I mean, see the 750 people. And so we decided we want to try to get in that building. They'd left. They wanted $2.1 million. We hardly had $2.1, you know. And, uh, and so anyway, we couldn't buy it. So we ended up doing a lease, a 30-day lease. And we were in there three years. I mean, they were parading people trying to sell the building while we were working and, and, but we had a 30-day lease. I never told our church. I just said, we're here, you know. I just had faith. So, but anyway, uh, I'll never forget, that was in October of 1990 when we moved in. I remember November when I got our first utility bill. Now, I don't know what your electricity is here, but ours was about $250 a month at that time in the place where we had been. When I opened up that envelope to see what the bill was, I don't know if you've ever seen a pastor give birth to a cow. I mean, I, it was $2,507, a thousand percent higher. Honestly, I, I thought there was a mistake. My first thought was, God doesn't even have this much money. <laughs> you know? But then I, I, I began to realize, I can't limit God. God is able to do great things. I didn't know how we were going to pay the bill. I did not know. We had scheduled, since we were in this building, we had scheduled a concert was with the lead singer of Black Sabbath. I don't even remember his name. He'd gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you might know who that guy is. What was his name? No, not, that's not Ozzy Osbourne. That's Kiss, isn't it? I'm not a rock person. You know, I listened to elevator music growing up, so I couldn't understand the words. That's why I never got into it. But uh, anyway, they came, and we had so many people. We had turned away 1,000 people. They were packed in. Well, from that concert, God added some new people to our church who gave. And we paid that bill on time. We haven't looked back since. You know the reason why? 
we took the limits off of God with our thinking. That's what God is challenging you to do in this year. Is to take the limits off of Him in the way you think. Because uh, God is great. God is mighty. God holds the universe in the span of His hand. And with God, nothing is impossible. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think. There's so many scriptures you can grab hold of that will help you in this. Number one, take Take the limits off of God by your thinking. Number two, take the limits off of God by where you've come from or from your past. And this is such a pitiful excuse that people use all the time of why they put a limit on themselves and put a limit on God. They say, well, I'm not smart enough and I'm not good enough or I'm not righteous enough or I'm not educated enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. I just want you to know everybody here has come from different backgrounds. I mean, when I, was, look, when I was growing up, we didn't even have air conditioning. I grew up in Louisiana. We went to schools that had no air conditioning. Now they would say it's child abuse. But, I mean, we played in the dirt. I mean, what's wrong with dirt? We, we eat stuff out of a ditch. We still eat stuff out of a ditch called crawfish. It's all good. But, but you know, I mean, everybody comes from different backgrounds. Some of you have come from privileged backgrounds. God bless you. That's wonderful. Some of you struggle. Some of you still struggle. Some of you are highly educated. Some of you are not. It doesn't make any difference. Everybody comes from someplace different. But that should not stop you, and it shouldn't stop God, nor should it limit God based on where you've come from. But we do that all the time. I mean, we put limit on, limits on God from where we've come from. There was a man in the Bible called Amos. Have you ever read the book of Amos? Do you know the Bible says that Amos was an uneducated man? Now think about this. An uneducated man, and God uses a man that probably couldn't read or write. And there's a book in the Bible that this man has. Don't put a limit on God from where you've come from. I mean, think about, think about um, uh, Elisha. He was, he was the guy who kind of came under the wing of Elijah the prophet. The Bible said that Elijah was looking for this man, and he found him out in a field plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He was a farmer. How could God use a farmer? God uses farmers. He uses, he uses people. Look, don't limit God from where you've come from. What about Gideon? Gideon's a great one. I've got some scripture here. I'm going to see if I can find it. Judges chapter 6. You know, Gideon is hiding in a wine press. The Midianite army has surrounded Israel, 185,000 soldiers. I mean, Israel's just been decimated. How are they going to survive? Here's Gideon in a wine press. He's hiding down in this little vat trying to winnow some wheat. He's a coward. The angel of the Lord shows up. He says, mighty man of God, mighty man of valor. And Gideon turns around saying, you can't be talking to me. And here's the reason why. In verse 14, he says, the Lord turned to him and says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. He said, I have I not sent you. And he said to him, he said, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. You can't use us. You can't use me. We're weak. He said, I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the runt. I'm a nobody. You know what he was doing? He was using his past. He was using how he was raised. He was using where he came from as an excuse to not accomplish anything. And the Lord ignored him. He said, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You know the rest of the story. He begins, he says, I don't know how this is going to happen, but he begins to throw out fleeces, you know, testing his faith, growing in faith. He starts gathering men. I mean, it's a great story. You ought to go back and read it, Judges 6. Before you know it, 
He has 32,000 men. God says, that's too many. You need to get rid of them. He gets down to 300 men. And they go to attack the Midianites in the night without a weapon. A man who was a coward just weeks before. All they had was a, a torch, covered it with a pitcher, and some horns. They surrounded the Midianite army. They broke the pitchers. They shined the light. They blew the trumpets. And the angel of the Lord showed up, and there was a mighty, mighty miracle that took place. Why? It's because they took the limits off of God from where they came from. Paul the apostle, he would come into a building like this. He would grab some of you and drag them out. He'd kill some of you. That's what he did. I'm talking about a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He thought he was doing a righteous thing. But he was a torturer and murderer of Christians like us until he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And everything changed. I mean, Paul himself said many times, I'm the least of the apostles. He said, he, he called himself a bondservant and a slave of Christ. You know the reason why? It's because he knew where he came from, but he knew what God made him. All of us have a past. Don't use that as, that as an excuse for not doing anything today. Because all you'll do is put a limit on God. We're here to take the limits off of God. 2019 is the year. 2019, Pastor Stephen, is the year to get some movement. I'm talking about movement. I see these seats filled up. You can do it. Listen, we can do it. Together, we can do it. It can happen. There are people going up and down this road right now that don't know Christ. And we don't seem to care. Small church thinking causes your city to go to hell. Is that okay with you? So that's why this church cannot stay small. It can't stay small. It has to grow. But to do that, you have to take the limits off of God from where you've come from. There was a man by the name of Clarence Matheny. Clarence was, uh, he was uneducated. Some of you know Clarence Matheny. You might know Clarence Matheny. And, um, and Clarence, was, uh, he lied about his age, joined the Navy in World War II, became a cook. He married Jewel. Now, Clarence was uneducated. He could not read or write. Jewel had gotten into a terrible accident. Her face was all twisted. She had to wear these real thick glasses to be able to see. And, uh, and there was a man, I think this was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. A man had come to town, a, a preacher, set up a tent. They were having healing meetings. She told Clarence, she said, Clarence, I want to go to that meeting. I'm going to ask God to heal me. I'm going to ask the man to pray for me. Clarence didn't want to go, but finally relented. He said, okay, we're going to go to the back. Now, Clarence was a big man. If anybody knew who he was, he was a big man, country, just country to the T, to the you know. But he was just country, big man. And the preacher was a little man. And so uh, Clarence said, we're going to go and sit in the back. He said, when it comes time, you go on down there. He said, if that fellow doesn't heal you, he said, I'm going to go down there and whoop him. That's how he said it. I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to whoop him. And so anyway, it came time. Jewel came forward. He prayed for her. Her face began to untwist. True story. She took off her glasses, and she could see perfectly. That night, Clarence got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. About three or four months later, Clarence comes to Jewel and says, Jewel, she said, I think the Lord's calling me into the ministry, but you know I can't read or write. He would open up his Bible and it would just be words on a page, letters. He didn't, didn't make any sense. It had nothing it didn't mean anything until one day 
He opened up his Bible, and he said it was like words and sentences and paragraphs were jumping off the page into his spirit. He understood every single word. He became one of the greatest preachers I'd ever known. He died young. He had cerebral malaria. I didn't know you'd get malaria in the brain. But uh, let me tell you, this, this is the point I want to make. You know where God sent Clarence and his family? He sent them to Kenya to minister in the, in the colleges and universities. I'm talking about an uneducated man. Now, does God have a sense of humor? And they became the most, they, they sang on the radio. They had a, their, their family would sing kind of like the Von Trapp family, except it was more country, country gospel. They became the most listened to singers in the entire nation. And his, his son, Don, is about my age, a few years younger. Don and I are very, very close friends. I was just with Don in Africa not too many uh, years ago. I'll see him again in June when he's here in Baton Rouge, coming up in Baton Rouge. And, uh, but, but all because of a man who took the limits off of God from where he had come from. Don't tell me that God is too small. Don't tell me that God can't do things because he can. And God is expecting you to take the limits off of him. Take the limits off of him from, from your thinking and then from where you've come from. And then number three, take the limits off of God by your ability. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Look, we're good, but we're not that good. We need the power of the Lord. It's not what we do. It's what He does through us and with us. There's a man in Beaumont, Texas called Casey Jones. He may be, he may be gone now. This is many, many years ago. He uh, was a businessman. He was the president of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association there in Beaumont. And um, not too far away, a couple hours away. And uh, he was a house mover. That's what he did. He'd jack the houses up, and they'd move them to another location. And uh, he had a job way out in the country, three or four hours away, and they made it. They went out there. He had to hire some men to come work for him that day, some day laborers. And uh, as he got to where the job site was, he realized he forgot a chain. He needed a chain at least to get this thing started. He didn't have time to go all the way back into town to go get a chain or buy a chain. There was no place out in the country to get one. And so here was a man who took the limits off of God by his ability. He didn't have the ability to get a chain. So he gathered these men that were unbelievers around him. He said, look, we forgot a chain. We need this chain to get this project off the ground. We've got to get started. He said, I don't have a way to get one. I'm already paying you. We don't have time to go all the way back into town. Can't afford that. He said, but I'm going to believe God. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to give us a chain. And the guy started, the unbelievers, they started snickering and kind of, doing this. Well, he gets him in a circle and he bows his, he starts praying, God, I, I left my chain. I know it was a dumb thing. He said, Lord, I was in a hurry, but Lord, I'm paying these men. We need a chain. Lord, I don't know where to get a chain. And he could hear the men snickering and kind of mocking him a little bit. Anyway, he prayed and he said, amen. And he said, he looked up and he saw coming down a dirt road, a pickup truck. I mean, flying down that dirt road, the dust was flying up behind. He said that, that truck flew past him on the curve he said when he did, he saw that the tailgate was open and a big chain flew out of the back, slid across the road, and curled up at his feet. Come on, somebody. Don't you tell me that God is not able. God is able. We need to take the limits off of God because God is a big God. And he can do mighty things. Uh, I think about David. Remember David and Goliath? A great story. I love the story. 
David goes to bring some bread and cheese to his brothers. His father had sent him into the battlefield there. And when he gets there, Goliath rises up and all of God's warriors run and flee. And David said, what is it? What's going on? You're the warriors of God. He said, what should be done for the man who kills this giant? And, you know, he was looking for his brothers, but word gets around the camp that there's some young man in here that's saying he can defeat the giant. Well, his brothers hear about that, and they say, that's got to be David. David's a big talker. Well, they go find David and say, David, you need to go back and play with dad's sheep and get out of here. You're not a warrior. Well, the, he said it again. He said, what should be done for the man who kills the giant? Well, the king heard about it, King Saul. He didn't know who it was. He just thought it was one of the big burly warriors that had been in battle many times. He was going to go take on the giant. Well, they summoned David to come. David peels back the, the flaps of the tent, pokes his head in and says, how y'all are, you know? And, and the king is shocked because he's thinking it's going to be this big warrior. And it's just this kid, a teenager with pimples on his face. He said, you can't kill this giant. He said, he's an experienced warrior. You're just a youth. And David said, he said, I don't know if it means a lot to you, but he said, I've killed a lion and a bear with my hands. He said, and the same God that strengthened me to kill the lion and the bear, he said, will strengthen me to kill this giant. And by the way, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know the rest of the story. David goes out, finds some smooth rocks. He flings one of them, kills the giant, dead, becomes a hero. Marries the, he marries the king's daughter, gets riches, tax-free houses, tax-free income. I mean, it's a pretty good deal. All because he took the limits off of his ability. You know what David did? David took, if you will, his ability and he merged it with God's ability. Maybe I ought to say it another way. David took his inability. Because some of us sitting here today were saying, well, I don't know if I'm able. I don't know if I can do that. Well, that's all right. Why don't you just take your inability and why don't you merge it with God's ability? Because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. Why don't we just think of it another way? Why don't you take your availability and merge it with God's ability and see what he does? Because he can do some great things. He's waiting on somebody that will take the limits off of him. The God who holds the universe in the span of his hand. The God who speaks and creates. The God who that everything is and was is already in him. That God, that God you serve, that God that wants to help you where you're at, to reach your destiny, to reach the promised land that he's called you to. How many of you need God to help you with your ability? Let me see your hands. I do. How about with your thinking? Maybe some of you are not thinking right. You're thinking like men instead of like God. How about from where you've come from? You've used that as an excuse. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. And you don't know where I've, you know, how I was raised. You know, I just don't, I'm not smart enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm just a sinner. I'm a little worm going through life. And I don't know how in the world God could ever use me. I mean, how many of you are using that as an excuse? That's enough. That's enough. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity to just share this little thought with this great church. Lord, as we move into this year, we don't want to do it by ourselves. But Lord, in the past, we've used so many excuses. 
for why we can't do things. Lord, it starts with our thinking. And then it goes to our past on how we were raised or where we came from. And then, Lord, we, we begin to use the excuse about our inabilities or our, uh, all those things. that We can't do it, Lord God. We're not able. Lord, that's not who you called us to be. And, Lord, you saw the hands of these wonderful people, Lord God, who said, I need to take the limits off my thinking. I need to take the limits off of my past or where I've come from. I need to take the limits off of my ability. I need to do that. Lord, you're an unlimited God that can do unlimited things. Lord, you want an unstoppable church. You want unstoppable people, Lord God, but we stop you in your tracks. You're ready to take the next step. You're ready to do something great and miraculous and give us the breakthroughs we need. But Lord, we put a limit on you. Just like the children of Israel, they turned back, they tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Tonight, Today, Lord God, we're saying that we're taking all the limits off of you. All the limits off of us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Before I turn the service back over to Pastor Stephen, I wanted to share something that happened to me when I was coming back from Brazil about a year ago. I was on a plane coming back from Brazil, and uh, we stopped in Recife, which is, the, you know, in Brazil, that's the closest point to Africa, the jut, the jut of Brazil. We had to pick up some passengers. We were on a turboprop plane. Larry Stockstill was sitting next to me. We traveled together and preached together in these conferences. And... He noticed that the pilot had gotten out and had gone over to the prop that was on that side of the plane, and he was spinning the blades around. He was running his hands over the front of the blade. Pastor Larry said, what's he doing? I said, he's checking the blade. He said, what for? I said, for gashes and nicks or something that's missing. He said, why is that? I said, because if you have a little piece missing out of the blade, when that blade spins, it's out of balance. You know, like a tire that gets out of balance, it begins to shake. I said, if there's a piece that's missing enough, I said, when that blade begins to spin, the faster it goes, the more out of balance it is, that engine will shake violently. It'll fall off. The wing will fall off. We'll crash and die. He goes, whoa. The Lord said, that's a picture of my people. They got something missing in their life. A little gash or a little nick, a little failure, a little sin, a little addiction, something you just can't seem to get rid of. And it's in your life. And the faster you go, the more you shake. And God knows you're going to crash and burn one day unless you allow him to heal you. And the Holy Spirit is here this morning. He's rubbing his hand across your soul for that little part that's missing. He's rubbing his hand across your heart, your soul. Because he wants to heal you and deliver you. He doesn't want you to crash and burn. He wants you to live and experience the goodness of God. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to be real honest with God. Is there something missing in your life right now? A little nick, a little gash, a little something that you know it's the faster you go, the more out of balance you are. You can't live this way. Your life is shaking. Life you can't seem to get free of it. Well, the Holy Spirit is here to heal you. Just lift your hand if you'd say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. Some of you need to give your life to Christ. You're not living holy for Him. Only just a little piece of you is living for Him. You're living out of convenience, not out of conviction. If that's you, lift your hand. Say, I need to come back to Christ. I need to make him my Lord and Savior. There's some hands in this sanctuary. Is there anyone else? You want to make some things right with God. You know you're not right with him. 
And, uh, you know, when you confess your sin to God, it's not the first time he knew about it. You ever thought about that? He was right there the whole time. And he loves you. And he wants to forgive you. Is there anyone else? One last call before I pray for you. Slip your hand up, put it back down, saying, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I want everything healed in my heart and soul. If you lifted your hand, I want you to make this your prayer today. I'm just going to pray it. You just can pray along with me and say, Lord, this is my prayer to you today. Lord, I lifted my hand because I know there's some pieces missing in my life. And I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be this way. I don't want, I don't want to go through my life shaking and shaking and out of balance. I don't want to live my life, Lord, any longer like this. I've come today and I've lifted my hand to say, I want you to heal me. I want you to deliver me. I want to come to give you my whole heart. I want you to be my Lord and Savior over this area of my life. I give it to you. Lord, I don't know how to overcome it. I've tried before, but I keep falling into the same trap. But Lord, I'm taking the limits off of you today in my thinking, where I've come from, and by my own ability. And I'm leaning upon the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, to wash me and to cleanse me and to make me whole again. Today, Lord God, I give to you my heart and I give to you my life. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said together, amen. What a joy it is to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Stephen, for letting me come. Come on, let's just give a, a good hand to Pastor Stephen. I love him. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. <clears throat> we have a direction in 2019 and for our lives not to limit God. That's Psalms 78. We're not going to be anyone who limits them. Grab someone's hand that you love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are increasing us this year. You're increasing our faith. Lord, you're giving us, no matter what the world is saying, in the church or out of the church, Lord, we're going to have the spirit of Joshua, Lord, that says we're well able. We can do this. We're strong and courageous, Lord. Lord, I thank you that Joshua and Caleb's heart beats in ours. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we're going forward and going forth, increasing in faith, increasing in influence, increasing in number, increasing spiritually. Lord, I thank you. That's your plans and purposes for your people. It always has been. So we thank you, God, that we're going to see that. As David proclaimed, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We thank you for it, God. We look for it. We hold to your word. We proclaim your word. We will not speak or think lies. We'll proclaim your word from sunup to sundown. We thank you for it. In the strong, powerful, mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.